Welcome to Beltalota, the officially unofficial podcast for the expanse on sci-fi. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And we're here today to talk about season three, episode three, titled Assured Destruction. Uh, what do you think of this episode, Aaron? I love this episode. I thought this episode was awesome. My big uh, question mark from the last episode is how are, is Bobby going to fit into the crew? And that was answered <laughs> in a very, I thought, entertaining and satisfying way. Um, yeah. She's got to get comfortable with people. I enjoyed the real politic of the Secretary General wrestling with, you know, uh, essentially, uh, you know, trying to break the nuclear stalemate. Um, he's so fickle. So he fickle, is just that really, I, I've decided he's he's a lightweight and probably not long. I don't even really know how he got to his current position. The, it must have been a hell of a speech that well, she wrote he, for him. Well, he, I, you know, uh, he's the type of guy who goes with whatever the last person right gave him advice. Yeah, no matter what that advice is, which I think is a shitty makes for a <laughs> shitty, shitty political leader that sure. that is an embarrassment to the planet that he uh, thinks that. That, that, that he purports to represent, yeah. So and overly concerned with his image. Um, yes, that's. I mean, that's kind of the life of a politician. You have to be if you're voted into an office, right? But at some but, point, you gotta fucking dig deep into yeah. your nuts or ovaries or whatever you got and be like, "Damn it, uh, I was elected to lead, and I'm going to." And he is just being mm-hmm. led around by his nose, yeah, by both Anna and uh, um, Aaron Wright, and it's it's maddening, and the mm-hmm. fact that millions die. <laughs> Uh, is yeah. just the icing on the the shit Sunday for that. But uh, uh-huh. no, I, I I was very I I really liked this episode. Um, the season continues to feel uh, feel like to pick up steam. Yeah, I really like the stuff with Alex and Naomi in this mm-hmm. season. Um, or Lots in this of great episode. character moments. I even yeah, like Holden had some good stuff again. Uh, and, and the fact like that they've taken one of the arch villains of the show in uh, Jean Pierre Mao. <laughs> As he That's as he exactly calls himself, he it, as he yeah. does, like I just thought it's like out of nowhere French. It's uh, like you know he's going Jean Pierre. Uh, the way that they've kind of like brought him back around a corner has felt extremely organic. Mm-hmm. Like you know, and I didn't see all this all coming together with May and the fact that it's going to remind him of probably a younger Julie. Yeah, and, makes a lot of and sense. And the proto like it's like it all makes so much sense and mm-hmm. it was set in motion you know seasons ago. So again, uh, hats off to the the people the writing the books and adapting it to the show because they're doing a bang up job. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I thought this was a really strong episode uh, in a series of strong episodes dating back to probably like episode four four or five of season one. Yeah, like, I'm all thinking, of these have just been so good. Yeah, like I think that the signature episode for season one was probably episode four where we got the first kind mm-hmm. of space battle and then. From episode eight of that season on, uh, this show's just gotten more confident and better yeah. and better at what they're doing. And and I just think they're they're. Uh, I used to like quibble about some of the acting in big moments, but increasingly mm-hmm. I feel like the direction is better. The actors that keep raising their game, and I yeah. find it uh, you know kind of hard to find fault with that as much. There's still some creaky stuff in the margins, but real good, mm-hmm. real good. Yeah, I'm I'm still missing Miller. Uh, I wish Miller was still around, but what are you gonna? He do? might be. There's there's some crazy shit going on <laughs> Venus. I don't know if you know. I don't know if you noticed, but uh-huh. there's lots of dis, there's lots of breathless and concerning coverage of the Arbor, uh, Arbor gas situation. Yeah, 
and uh, I mean that, that's a crazy event. So well, I mean it's know. it's funny because like in the shadow of you know Mars trying to extinguish Earth and Earth trying to extinguish Mars, this thing that like you know was the big hot button uh, topic, you know when Eros was he- uh, hurtling yeah. towards Earth, um, you know this thing just keeps just keeps festering. There's yeah. just all this proto molecule stuff in the margins that keeps festering, and it's gonna it's gonna come back. Uh okay, why don't we get into the recap? I would love to. Uh so as we surmise from last episode, Avasarala is indeed been stabilized with some fancy science fiction medical technology. They've taken some mini transparent uh toilet plungers and stuck them <laughs> on her, her head. Yeah. And that's just going to fix up all her strokes and all of her compli- uh, complications from high G. And I believe it. Fuck mm-hmm. it. Like they're 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 the Epstein drive is magic. This medical technology is magic. I'm glad because <laughs> she's an interesting character and I hate to see her die from essentially complications from acceleration. <laughs> right. Uh, Usually it's deceleration that gets you. Right, right. It's a sudden stops at the, at uh-huh. the end of things. Bobby is down below getting squared away and she's like, you know, having some fond looks around this Martian ship and feeling like a Martian again. And she casually glances at the flag that, was it the first season or second season where Earth destroyed... Uh, this the there's a Demos right? Phobos is the big moon. Demos is the little moon. I couldn't tell you. Doesn't really matter because yeah. Amos thought he'd take a piss and update the uh-huh. flag by turning it into a shattered kind of field. And uh, but it's so interesting because Bobby was like stripping out of her suit and she just like gets this pissed look, zips her suit back up and barges mm-hmm. on and demands to know who defaced the flag and hilarity ensues. Yeah. Uh, let I. Watching this episode has crystallized something that I've been thinking about that, like, there's some shows that I watch um, purely for the pleasure of watching the characters kind of interact, and I think the showrunners know that. Like, like the, the, the biggest example I can think of is Downton Abbey. Like, after a couple seasons, you get to know these characters, and the showrunners know you know the characters, and they put new characters in interesting situations, like, you know... Uh, 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 Carson's got a stick, giant stick up his ass, and here comes a saucy scullery maid with new political ideas. Or mm-hmm. uh, the fucking Crowleys are traveling to his Scottish castle, and there's a real pain in ass butler. So Lady Mary's going to let Thomas off the fucking mm-hmm. chain. Oh boy, I can't wait to see these guys duke it out. Uh, that's what I thought with with Bobby coming up and being like, "Who defaced the Martian flag?" Did you think it's funny? And Amos is like, "Well." Maybe not now. <laughs> and then her threatening to take over the ship without power armor and Amos coming around the ladder with this giant, giant fucking wrench. wrench. He's going to yeah. – like it's it's great. It's great and funny. It uh, and, and it's something that only a show with strong characters can yeah. do. And, and really good characterization. You know, you couldn't pull this off in – in many other shows. Right. Um, you didn't have to spend five minutes setting the scenario up. Yeah. It was baked into who these characters are. Right. And then Holden comes in with, like, I think exactly the right tone. Like, mm-hmm. you're not going to give us anything? Fine. We'll fix you up. You can be on your way, and you can be out of our hair because we, yeah. don't, want, we don't want you. And like, yeah, it's funny too because you know he really didn't want to help them, but he's going to help them, right? Yeah. Like once the decision is made, right. Even if it's not his own, he's going to do the right thing here. Right. He just doesn't want to pursue this to, and get off on a tangent, right. Where they they don't need to be. They're they're focused on Io right now. And they want to d- get practice. And it does daughter. seem like a lot of the crew, like like well, I want to say a lot. I mean Amos, uh, he's physically he's physically two thirds of the crew's mass. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
but I because he Amos is really concerned because of his conversation last episode of the Prax about you know getting getting closure or ideally rescuing Prax's little girl. So mm-hmm. I like that urgency. I like Bobby kind of like being kind of imperious and hostile towards these people who have stolen Martian property, but then being instantly con you know flummoxed by the fact that they just don't give a shit yeah like oh well you're not going to tell us anything well fine we'll fix up your ship get the hell out of here so yeah good stuff for holden good stuff for steven Strait. and it was exactly the right tone to take yeah um other highlights are when uh <laughs> or when alex tried to step in as the fellow martian to kind of make, smooth things over and he calls her darling and she says uh. One, yeah. what you, you, what did she say is like something like uh, if you if you you try that again you'll be signing darling out in sign language or something <laughs> something like that yeah uh, and then Amos observes Riley as Holden comes in he's like oh the Martians are bonding it's it's so good mm-hmm. uh, anything else we want to talk about or are we to the part where Holden tells Naomi to take the ship and no, go we are okay <laughs> we are we are not there I don't because do that think. was kind of shocking to me yeah. Uh, we then see a set of the a UN spy satellites that is codenamed Watchtower, and it has picked up pings of these fabled Martian stealth missile satellite platforms that are positioned all around Earth. They're stealth and they're cloaked, and they each have an ungodly amount of missiles tar- topped with MRIVs. They're called Planet Busters, which sounds scary. Mm-hmm. And the Earth is at a breakthrough. They found two platforms at once, and they can use that to mathematically determine the position of all the platforms. Yeah, which because they I, I forget why. They're Say something prob- about they know that like what their targets are going to be, and therefore kind of some of they their have positions to be positioned and, at a particular time to yeah. get the guaranteed response. And, and right to take out essentially to take out their first response options, right, so right. they know where the others are. Right. I thought like I, I was thinking like can you? But I'm like okay, I'm uh, fine. Like especially when you think there's only so many like Lagrange points that they could probably mm-hmm. be and okay I, I I bought it because the important thing is this is going to set up this like Cold War stalemate and the Secretary General has to decide whether to to try to to, to, to cross or not mm-hmm. um, and that is essentially you have to take out all of these at the exact same time yeah. or Earth is going to be extinct essentially yeah they'll launch a retaliatory strike if you it, only take out like two. And, and I like how the Secretary General seems like his default position is one that I would agree with, whereas Aaron Wright is trying to urge him to do this, take this decisive action, defang Mars, because, you know, their spies say that Mars is on the verge of launching anyway. And the president is like, but why would they? That's insane. And the Martians aren't insane. Mm-hmm. And fighting in the like, he's like kind of saying, like, fighting in Vietnam is different than fighting in Eastern Europe, essentially. Like, this is contained. But Aaron Wright comes back and says... You know, we're, yeah, we got, I, we had a five to one numerical ship advantages down to three to one. When are you going to wait to take action? Here's the problem with the whole like Mars is an insane thing. You've got Aaron Wright pushing the the Secretary General or whoever this guy is to to launch a first strike here, right? To take away the capabilities of Mars to fight them essentially, mm-hmm. um, or or to surprise them with an attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know you've got somebody on the Mars side doing the exact same thing, and it's really a battle of who can convince the leader to launch the strike first, right? Because right. then you have no retaliatory options. Right. So you essentially have 
a, a huge advantage over the other side. Right. But so if you, the, the, the margin of error is so small. So it's not really an insane thing to take away the other side's retaliatory strike or, or first strike capabilities, right? You really think that? I mean, I mean, as, like, as like, I just don't think that you can say, look, Mars isn't insane. They're not going to attack us or, or even try and remove our ability to attack them. Uh-huh. I think that's very much on the table, and Aaron Wright is is right to to push that, but I don't think it's right to say that that's the only thing that matters here. Hmm. Certainly, I but, ke- but the Secretary General seems to be thinking that's the only thing that matters. Right. I mean, I don't know. It's I, you can go back and forth. Like mutual assured destruction is a crazy fucking thing, right? As a doctrine, but. It also has led to 70-plus years of essential global peace. Like, sure. I'm not saying there hasn't been yeah. wars and people haven't bled in deserts and mountains and forests, but it's been tens of thousands, not hundreds of millions, mm-hmm. as we were heading towards and with our increasingly costly in lives and material uh, world wars, you know? Um, and anything that destabilizes that seems like it's dangerous. Like, it's, it's sure. insane and, like... Yeah, if we could like if, if we could treat this like Mars like a small child and take their lollipop and then put them in timeout, that's mm-hmm. that's fine. But the if if like you try that and you fail and the toddler can just make you not exist. Absolutely. It's the risk of ruin that gives people pause and it's just I don't know. I guess I'm glad that Earth leaders so far have been, <laughs> you know, more like I guess the Secretary General's initial thoughts and less yeah. like Aaron Wright. Because sure. there's always been those voices screaming. You know, mm-hmm. if you see any documentary oh, yeah. or anything Un- about the Cold Cuban War. Missile yeah. Crisis, the fucking generals were all like, you know, if we show weakness and, yeah. you know, there's acceptable losses and it's, you know, the American way of life will still li- – or Dr. Strangelove. You can mm-hmm. get it that way. Um I don't know. Yeah, it's different when you're playing with the lives of real people. Because that's the thing. Like, it's it's all about like if you succeed, you you win a maximal victory. If you fail, it's almost unthinkable. And that's, mm-hmm. I guess, the the insanity of it. Um, anything else we want to talk what, about? What for? if you half succeed and you take a nuke to the face? Right. Which <laughs> like happens that's here. the worst of all worlds. Yeah. And, and then especially if your uh, under under person can essentially tell let you help helpfully let you know that. The only reason those people died is because you <laughs> because wavered you in the wavered. first place. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, now we're on board the UNN vessel Agatha King. Oh, yeah. Uh, Admiral Souther. Yeah. I, who, who, who's Agatha King named after? I oh, started, I don't know. I started to do some searching, and uh, when you try to search for a name of a ship that hasn't been aired on television yet, you're going to get book spoilers, and I had to know oh, about But I was yeah, thinking, yeah. like, I wonder... Like, 300 years in the future, like, when I thought Agatha King, it's like, that's got to be one of Martin Luther King Jr.'s family members. Could be. Who have, like, you know, done something awesome in the 21st century. But I I couldn't find anything without attaching to the Expanse and and future spoilers. So, Hmm. anyway, it's it's UNN Agatha King. It's the flagship of the Jupiter uh, fleet, and it's commanded by an Admiral Souther, who is getting a message from Fleet Admiral Wynn, that he wants to come and pay Kotiar a little visit. Uh, or, well, he doesn't know it's Kotiar. He wants to pay right. the... And, and they've he gotten... just wants to eliminate whatever remnants, tie up the loose ends. And there's, they're, they're under strict orders to not speak to anyone that they take prisoner or mm-hmm. take what into custody off of this uh, dropship. Uh, then Kotiar gets a story straight with Theo. <laughs> gets a story straight. He sure does. 
Man, that really kind of changed how I felt about Kotiar. Kotiar's a mercenary, man. I he's mean, a, he's he's like a more of an Amos type, where yeah. like it's like I and I do feel like this he, is some real spy shit. Yeah, he felt really bad about it, but he's still going to murder this man because he yeah. looks at this guy's like no fucking way. This guy's going to sing like a canary, and literally Absolutely. all of Earth could be in the balance. And yeah. I, I don't know how you make those decisions. Um, glad I'm not the one making them. Uh, but yeah, he's he's a he's a bad bad man. <laughs> uh, we then go to the IO station where Mao is observing children playing while also simultaneously be human guinea pigs, and I think Doctor Strickland does himself no favors and like establishing the clinical benefits of play mm-hmm. <laughs> and spreading the protovirus and all that. Yeah, Strickland's a real sociopath. He really is. I wonder if he's had his conscious removed. <laughs> He might have, yeah. Like, you know, the one guy that mm-hmm. uh, we, we, we discovered last season. Uh, we see May's friend uh, feeling no pain at the protovirus, uh, a protomolecule infection. In fact, makes him feel strong, and he puts on an impressive acrobatic exhibit uh, as Strickland is informing Mao, who's watching this whole thing, that the children are only infected one at a time because he has a limited protomolecule supply, which is bodes mm-hmm. well for, I guess, May's chances. Yeah, she apparently hasn't been infected yet yeah and i don't know like uh they gave us the information about how they're selecting these children like the fact that they're they're, there's a genetic predisposition and they're doing it in that order and i don't know what order may is in then again Mm. at the end of this episode the research is quote unquote shut down uh i doubt it's actually unquote unquote shut down yeah i mean i don't i don't think strickland's the kind of guy to let a setback like his boss cutting off all funding and <laughs> telling him to shut the thing down. Yeah. Stop him from accomplishing his goals. Yeah. It's like, is we're we going to get to see an exciting Riddler version, like a Jim Carrey Riddler version of Strickland. Oh, where I can his... see him in a question mark spandex suit. Yeah. 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 Bruce Wayne thinks he can shut down my brain <laughs> research. Eh? Well, pretty much now this is happening. It's all your fault. Uh, yeah, again, I really I really was impressed at how they've kind of turned the corner of this Mal character. I think mm-hmm. it's going to be bad for him, but... Yeah, it, ma- it makes me wonder exactly where they're going. Like, is... It, it seems like he's ready to leave Io mm-hmm. um, at this point. Like, he says, shut it all down, and then he kind of turns, like... You know, he walks out the door, but I feel like he's leaving the freaking moon mm-hmm. at that moment. So, I don't think there's much that's going to happen with him in May. Um as as much as i i did kind of watching the previous scenes yeah so yeah know. we'll see we'll see um amos is in the medical bay taking care of praxis staples uh taking him out mm-hmm. um we find out a little bit about amos's backstory in baltimore and it's just it seems like prax and, and amos are developing this uh interesting friendship yeah um it's a a, a road show a not traveling road show here between right. Prax the medical, and Amos. The medical roadshow. <laughs> yeah, I can we... This is the second show I've watched in the span of a week, the other being Silicon Valley, uh-huh. that uses this fucking Frankenstein's monster joke. Uh-huh. Can we please just stop using that joke? Like, I get it. They, they do this twice in the episode, actually, using really shitty old jokes that every piece of media on the planet has used but they do and then they lampshade it and they 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 have the character react in a a typical character way and i'm Mm -hmm. like okay but you still use the shitty old thing that has been rerun 500 times Mm -hmm. like 
I'm kind of over like Frankenstein's monster. If I never hear the Frankenstein's, actually, the monster didn't have a name. It was Doctor Frankenstein. I I'll be good. <laughs> See, if I never hear it again. Here's my thing. I was delighted because I now know how to treat someone that does that. <laughs> God damn. Where he, right. where he's just listening, just deadpans. God damn. That's right. Like I just thought that was It was a funny reaction, but I don't I, It was worth the it was worth the moldy joke to get the funny reaction from Amos, I think. Okay, that's fine. I uh, just don't want to And hear also that joke. I didn't I haven't seen this week's uh Silicon Valley, so thanks for the spoiler, you pig. Oh uh, <laughs> the spoiler of the five hundred yeah. year old also, joke. Also it's not the expanse's joke that it turns out that this is the week that everyone dusted off the I know, but it's been done on joke. everything. It's been done on everything. Okay. And the other one is is Naomi I think it's Naomi at the yeah, end. Yeah, yeah. Saying yeah, like, the... oh, how do you know a Martian's lying, or are you in whatever's lying? Her mouth is moving. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Ugh. We'll get there. Uh, what else do we want to talk about? The scene. Um, so Amos was raised on Earth in Baltimore, uh-huh. and says that where he grew up, getting by was getting even. Death is the only way out. And Prax said, "Well, how did you escape?" He goes, "I died." Do you? I assume he means he he killed who he was. Like, Am- might... Amos was a happy-go-lucky kid, and he realized, yeah. oh, shit, that's not going to work for me. So he killed right. that person right. and became what we see of Amos today. Right. That's that's a poetic way to do it. I wonder if there's more truth, like, the only way out of Earth's and their universal basic income system is to literally fake your death, create a new identity, and <laughs> get the hell out of there. Yeah, it could be more practical. Is there going to be, like, a Gattaca situation where we find out that Amos is actually... Jesus. You know, like, 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 what? How do you, how do you win the ability to get uh, a contract to go out to the outer, to the asteroid belt and mine ice? Like, ever, like, how many mm-hmm. people, how many millions of people on Earth want that ticket? Yeah. Um, I, I, I bet we're gonna find some more dark stuff uh, uh, about it, about Amos, um, and how he, how he did escape his his hellish life in Baltimore. Because man. I don't know if you guys watched The Wire. Uh, Baltimore's been been a hellhole since the 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 late twentieth century. Mm-hmm. I, it, it kind of gobsmacks me that it's still a real a really bad place. Uh, Two hundred years later. Yeah, yeah, man. I'd uh, probably make uh, David Simon weep to find that out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought I thought this was a nice nice quiet scene. Um, I wonder if the, if Prax is ever going to not have to sit in the makeup chair for three hours and get that scar applied. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Naomi is on board the Razorback, uh, mm. the racing pinnace uh, that was that they, they that, that Bobby, everybody knows what the fuck yeah, Razorback I, is. Yeah, I really, I really shit the bed last week when I missed the obvious joke. Oh, we, yeah. we were joking about this penis contorter. Uh-huh. Uh, the obvious joke there when they're, when they're docking, they're, per- uh-huh. they're, they're doing the ultimate docking procedure, some hot penis on penis action, <laughs> and I just fucking whiffed it. Uh, well, see, I don't think that I've ever heard it referred to as a penis until it's today. a racing penis. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the type of ship it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously the penis penis contorter. Oh yeah, yeah. And the fact that it's a razor pen- penis that's just <laughs> all kinds of bad things. Uh, but Naomi's over there. She's fixing the comms as Holden promises they would. She's uh, having conversations with Alex, and he. She mentions that they're maintaining an override control, which might be interesting in the future. Alex suggests that they slave the ship to the Rossi instead of having it docked. That way, you know, he can control them both and they'll have maximum maneuverability. Uh, there's a really... Uh, then she... So I, before I get into analysis, let's just get the scene out there. I need to start getting better at that. Uh, 
She calls up a map of Tycho in a solar system and kind of looks longingly at it before dismissing it. And we know, since the comms are all slaved to the Rasanati, that Alex saw that and he noticed mm-hmm. and was kind of uh, alarmed because, I mean, the plain reading of that is she thought about taking the Razor back and just heading to Tycho. Yeah. And no one could stop her. Now she's in the ship. She's in the fastest ship in the solar system. She's in the Millennium Falcon. She could just take off and and she'd be there before anyone could stop her. Yeah. What did you think of this scene? Uh, I like this scene. I mean, I it it doesn't have it doesn't have like a lot to love. It's just kind of I don't know. It's functional. The one thing I there's I this really it. cool shot of her, you know, there's a rever- you know, these are transparent screens and there's a shot of her sliding through and there is a shot of Julie Mao and it said visualize at the top. I don't know what the hell it was. Um and it like superimposed over her face. Mm-hmm. And there's this nice little quiet moment where she has where uh I, I don't know how what she was thinking. Like, here's a woman who got caught up in things that were bigger than her and tried to take direct action and look what happened to her. I'm literally sitting in her seat, and I can I can choose to just run home and flip this to somebody bigger and more important than me and bail on this. And I think that's what they're getting at there. And they're headed into the belly of the beast here. Like, right. Don't forget what happened to Julie. Right. They're going into uh, a lab the where they're experimenting with protomolecules. Shoot sure. her up and spit her out. So, sure. Yeah. She, she. There's a lot weighing on this decision here. And I honestly wasn't sure whether or not she'd take it. This is not This is not a thing in the books um, as far as I remember. Okay. So, you know, it, it's nice to have those moments where the characters are maybe going to split up right. like i'm i'm not totally sure what's going to go on with naomi right. i think alex does a hell of a job keeping her there later on um, yeah. we'll talk and, about that scene which i really love yeah and i don't know i wonder why like you i guess we'll wait to discuss that point but i'm, I'm very curious about like why naomi did decide to stay because mm-hmm. this whole episode is uh you know i, I feel like people are are, are pushing her away uh, in fact, we might have actually already skipped a scene where Holden tells tells her if she doesn't like it, he, she should take the razor back. We and, did, and, yeah. yeah. It's early on. Um, I, I was kind of shocked by that mm. because I, I guess I didn't fully understand Holden's anger at her, that he would let her leave. You really don't? And I mean, it's not like he can say, hey, you have to stay here. But like when I say let her go, I mean kind of in his own head. Um yeah, yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, they've had, and maybe it's from reading the books. They they really established the relationship between Holden mm-hmm. and Naomi uh, as a very strong tie, mm-hmm. and to to see that kind of degrading to the point where he's willing to just sever it completely, right, is surprising to me. See, I from the show from a show uh, watcher only perspective, I saw their relationship as. Um, a lot more superficial going to deeper places, but huh, okay. right as it was crossing that threshold, there's a massive breach of trust. Yeah, yeah. Like, you can't understate, like, like I, I can't imagine, like, say, like, you know, Bald Moves a four-person company, and we'd all democratically decided that we were going to take this big sum of money and spend it on one thing, and then one of us just decided <laughs> give to... Give it to Fred Johnson. Unilaterally, yeah, give it to Fred Johnson. Like, yeah. it might... In friendships. Sure, yeah. Talking about a weapon that can essentially destabilize or destroy the solar system, it's just like, 
I think I, I feel like Holden is p- p- portraying this character as like a guy whose head is just constantly exploding. Yeah. At the implications of the things that he's doing and being asked to do, and that just. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just re- really fucking angry at her because if she was the person he thought she was, she would have respected the wishes of the group. And that's how they've rolled. And so, and like, you know, the other thing is someone has to be in charge and make those tough calls. And if everyone just does it for their, it's like, that's, they're not a crew. They're just yeah. a fucking band of pirates. I don't know. I, I, I believe it. I and, believe and I it. do think it's interesting to have th- these fissures between characters. Mm-hmm. Um, because you you think of shows like I, I don't know other other shows where there are crews Firefly or something and right. they always have this cohesive unbreakable bond right no matter what the stakes are mm-hmm. and no matter what anybody else does there's always that core of like well we're a family and everything else be damned and I kind of like that like you're saying you know that can be broken right if the if the mistake and the betrayal is big enough that can be broken yeah it's not it's not a guarantee and. You know, there are some characters who still want to agree with that, and Alex is the perfect character here because of his past with his right, family. Right. Um, and then there are other characters like Holden who maybe just have had too much. Yeah, and there's also the 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 really interesting difference, and you don't see this very often, is like even in Firefly, Mal, he owned the Serenity. It's right. his fucking ship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's got military command experience, and he's got this other thing. But at the end of the day, this is his fucking property. He can throw you out the airlock, and what are you going to do? <laughs> sure. Like as long as Zoe's on his side, and she always is going to be, like you're you're never going to get enough muscle to 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 take it away from him. <laughs> yeah. Holden, like yes, he has a command experience. Yes, it seems like the crew is kind of assumed to put him in the command, but he's got no like this ship. This ship that they're on is boosted property. Yeah, they're driving a, a hot Corvette around the solar system. Everyone wants to kill them. His his maintaining power is essentially like this this like almost like a magic trick. If anyone like looks behind the curtain, like I saw you put the rabbit in the hat, jackass, and it's it's over. <laughs> so. You know, and, and the yeah. other thing is, like, I don't. He's very ambivalent about being in command. He is, but he he is the one of this group that needs to be in command, right? He doesn't. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have the same allegiances to sides, I guess, right. as a lot of people do. Um, which is surprising, given that he was born on Earth and and he should have more allegiance to that, but he doesn't. But and I think and he's also the good person that they need leading this crew because you're not going to have fucking Amos leading the crew. No, you, as much you, as as, as, cool has, as I think that would be right. Naomi has too much allegiance to the not the OPA the the Belters. Yeah, in general, uh, Alex couldn't lead a fucking turtle right. out of a paper bag. So. Right. He's the guy, man. It is interesting, and they to touch on this with Avasarala's discussion about him wanting to be a knight, that how much of this is like... <sighs> Holden's kind of unique in that he was raised... My understanding, you can probably fill this in, is that he was raised to essentially fight a losing battle yeah. of high-minded ideals. Like, there's this, there's very few pristine wilderness areas of, uh, of Earth because there's like, what... 30 billion people and like <laughs> yeah, everything's just like ever, this is assholes stacked on top of assholes and his family was dedicated to like preserving this and he was genetically mm-hmm. engineered and then raised to fight this fight for them after they're gone yeah and then he's rejected it so he's essentially kind of a don quixote that got his windmills taken away from him <laughs> and like uh-huh. i think if it is it, within his psychological profile to probably go back that and and I he protests way too much in this episode about not wanting to be anyone's savior. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't know. We'll 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 see how it goes. Uh Avasarala is in the med bay catching up on news. 
Uh, she's watching, uh, I don't know what you call CNN in the 23rd century, but she's watching <laughs> that and the coverage of the Arborgast. She thanks Bobby for saving her. They have a sweet moment. And then uh, she has requested Holden's presence, and she asks them to contact Admiral Souther for him. Uh, for her and Holden is refused stonewalls her and she essentially spars with his conscience uh, in this scene who who won Jim ooh um it's tough to say I, I do think it's tough to say because I think Avra Sarla is right like on a, a grand cosmic level you want to fight for the good right you don't want humanity destroyed by this but she's also trying to manipulate him into doing what she wants and he sees that and he's he doesn't need to be the person in the middle of things here like right they both win they both win they both made their points they both have valid points i just avrasarilla always feels a little more icky than holden yeah i think that like maybe is this my this is my read of avrasarilla and you tell me if it's right or wrong i don't think she cares whether Mars and Earth goes to war. And she might even think that maybe that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. What sticks in her craw is that this war would be started over a lie. Like like go okay. to war, don't go to war, but if we're not if we're not making decisions based on facts that that the public can debate, then what the hell are we even doing? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of her like that real politic perspective. Uh yeah. Um and So you're more along the the thought of Naomi. Where she's like, look, I know that all of your high-minded ideals are not not exactly what you're working for here. Well, I mean, de- the rule, the legitimate de- the democratic rule is a fairly high-minded ideal. Um, I don't know that she's in... I, it's really fucking hard to read Ivor Sarla because Aaron Wright's easy to read. Aaron Wright's an asshole. Aaron Wright's out for power. You think Aaron so? Wright's out for... Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, personal, but... Personal advancement and power. He in, like... Or, earth patriotism he does but he's much easier to read avrasarla to me has if she has some like high-minded uh altruistic goals and she's using methods that are that are you know more akin to what aaron wright's doing it's hard to to tell where those two things diverge yeah yeah Uh, maybe because she's so good at it i don't know yeah uh, and also, she's been doing it. Like, I wonder, like, 20 years ago, if she had seemed more nakedly ambitious. But now you're seeing mm-hmm. a person who's solidified their power and, and has been spending time thinking about what they should do with it. And Yeah, and I do think that, that she has some, you know, some right. idealistic goals that are probably good for humanity long term. I just am not sure that given circumstances, she she might, like, certain circumstances, she might not... Right, I guess betray those yeah. those ideals I, in the in the name of like getting even yeah. at people who she perceives as assholes. I I don't know. It's hard to read her. She does get baited more than us, and to a surprising extent in this episode, which we'll talk about a bit later. Um, but no, I thought this was a great scene between two actors I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. You know, her playing the mom card and him wanting to be a knight and him <laughs> asserting that he's no one savior. Um, I mean. That might be the cynical Holden talking, but it's certainly not. I don't think this is his truest self talking. I think this yeah. is a person who doesn't think it's possible to save people, and he's bought into the idea of the churn, but I don't think it's it's his truest self. Yeah. Uh, so there's one survivor in the medical bay we know is, is Kotiar. Admiral Wynn is aboard the Agatha King now. I keep on wanting to say Agatha Christie. 
the she, he's aboard the Attica, the king, and he wants to meet with him. Uh, he talks, he reiterates how secrecy is critical, uh, and he confides in uh, Admiral Souther that the Secretary General wants to arrest Avasarala on a suspicion or a conspiracy to commit treason. And Souther literally can't believe it. Like he has a visible reaction. And asked and tag along to go talk to the prisoner. And I was kind of surprised that Admiral Wynn is like, okay, sure. Like, yeah. you know, not not like, you're acting like a mad dog about this already. Uh, I'll to go ahead and conduct this myself. But but I, he does it to kind of preserve his ruse, you know? Like, I if suppose. you say no, you can't, you can't have any contact with right. this prisoner. Things get a little suspicious. Right. And, you know, that's the, you know, if, if you're supposed to decide the good guys, which I think, broadly speaking, every faction thinks they are, like, uh-huh. you can't come into some place like fucking Darth Vader landing on the un- incomplete yeah. Death Star. Like, you have to pretend that things are on the up and up, right? And, and he does this in the first scene we see of him where uh, he, you know, says basically, I don't want control of the ship. Right. Th- that's not him saying, yeah. I don't want control of what's going on here. It's him mm-hmm. saying, him using it as subterfuge, right? Right. Like, I oh, I don't need supreme control here. No, yeah, there's exactly. nothing going on. Exactly, right. Yeah, it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be kind of a dick move to take your own ship away from yeah. you. Know, when, when and, you're... and then you notice when things get tough, he immediately snatches the power from sure, the ship. Sure, so. Um But Kotiar, during the interrogation, stands strong. Uh, he Souther is incredulous to hear him imply that UNN forces destroyed a civilian yacht. And he goes, I didn't just imply it. I'm stating it outright. It's a fact. And Wynn says, this is desperate. Uh, you need to cooperate with us and tell us where Avasaral is to avoid a death sentence. He claims that Avasaral didn't make it off um, and tells them that they should talk to Earnwright. Hey, he's got all the answers. Uh, and then Wynn ominously says, get your rest. You'll need it. You'll need your strength. And he's just openly implying that they're going to torture the shit out of this guy. I guess so. I mean, we know from the pilot episode that even Avasarala is not opposed to some torture to get information out of people. Yeah. So um, it's kind of it's kind of kooky to me that uh, they're the, the, the quote-unquote good guys are just openly talking about this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, there's a lot of great lines in here. Like, Kotiar is just, like, not giving a fuck. He's ready to die and before he tells these people information mm-hmm. and the whole – like in goading them, like he goes, oh, he goes. He's talking about Bobby taking the the Razorbacks. Like, oh, those Marines sure are badass. And he goes, <laughs> but I guess you know that better than most. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, uh, anything else we want to talk about in this scene? I don't think so. All right, let's move on to at the UN headquarters. Anna and the Secretary General, who I still don't know, is his name Esteban Crystal Ball. Uh, yeah, it's Esteban. Esteban, okay. But I don't know his last... I don't know. He's the Secretary General to me. He's yeah. the SG. Uh, and he... His speech is... I, you know, we talked about religion and its place in this in this world. I'm shocked at how nakedly he's appealing to religion. So apparently in this world, religion's a big, big deal. Yeah, and, and he seems like a very religious man himself. Um, otherwise, I don't think a lot of... Anna's, you know, sac- sacrifice equals sacred right. stuff would work on him. Right. Um, and he he seems to be pushing this speech and this framing of the war as a holy war. Yeah. And she keeps reminding the war can never be holy. The best you can hope for is justified. Mm-hmm. And they spar about – and there's an interesting detail when they spar about how many – you know, of us are killed, how many of them, how many can you kill and still do God's work? And she says, we both know it's more than 37. 
have is this the, the, we continue to drip out this 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 some atrocity or something that's got committed that that led to the breach in their relationship it must involve thirty seven people dying. It's not. Is that the number that Fred Johnson killed on? No, Fred Johnson is like it's like fifteen hundred, okay. two thousand civilians. It was a lot. All right. So it can't be connected to Fred Johnson. I don't. And, think. And there's this mention of so I think it's Vesta early on, like mm. when Souther's talking to one of his COs or whatever, uh, his his second maybe. He's right. She mentions, "Oh, this is feeling a lot like Vesta," and he says, "It's nothing like Vesta." And mm. I looked up Vesta and. It doesn't even seem to be referenced in the books, hmm. um, or or it's referenced, but there's like very little information about it. So this might be a show only thing. This might doing be something here. that they're doing to sh- to give a little bit more nuance to the conflict. Yeah, and I wonder if That's maybe cool. the Vesta has something to do with this thirty-seven because I don't remember any specific like thirty-seven, hmm. unless that's like the the I, no, I I really can't come up with the thirty-seven. Um, so. Anyway, they just have a de- the debate, and he asks uh, a retort like, you know, how many people can you sacrifice and still be a good man? And her response is as few as possible. It's a good Which, response. It's a good response, but it's it's open-ended. It essentially leaves <laughs> it up to your conscience. Because, like, that's the thing. Like, yeah. if five billion people die on this side and five billion and one die on that other side, like, can you make decisions like that? I mean, I guess you have to. That's fair. And it also assumes like a sort of clairvoyance, right? Like the, right. my decisions will lead to less deaths if right. if enacted, which it's hard to know. But see, I think that's what's wrong with politics today is no one ever wants to own their failures. Yeah. And like, because that's the thing. Like, and they you, are forced to. <laughs> if, if, you make, if you make a bad call and it's a bad call and more people die than necessary and the shit and it costs more or shit blows up or people die or people are materially worse off, like we would be so much in a better shape if we would could just admit that and move on. But yeah. in like, you know, and you can think of easy examples from very recent history or ancient, you know, like, 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 you know, like if you want to talk about something that's a little bit cooler, Vietnam War. <laughs> no one can say like I think after studying it a lot and, and researching it that like the U.S. got into it the best intentions, but it was a shit show. We knew it was a shit show for long before we decide is officially a shit show and pulled out. And it's incontrovertible that hundreds of thousands of Vietnamese and and, th- and thousands of U.S. servicemen died and they didn't have to. Yeah, that's still a politically charged conversation to have. Yeah, and it's crazy that it is. Like that's come on forty years ago. Come the fuck on fifty yeah. getting 50, like it's, yeah. it's, it's as far away. It's, close. it's as far away from me as like when World War Two was when I was born. Yeah, you know, like it's 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 a long fucking time ago. So you know, and then you want to talk about like more like the some of the U.S.'s adventures in the Middle East. You still can't get consensus on whether that's a good idea or whether it was entered to in an honest basis or all that stuff. So like it's it's disheartening to see that in the future. Uh, we're still doing this shit. I do like how they typically use these failures as ways, po- political means to remove someone from power. Though, mm. like you, you can see, okay, maybe they don't have to like publicly admit that the whole operation was a failure, but right. somebody's going to get thrown under the bus, right. and take the heat, and and the political jockeying behind the scenes yeah. is interesting. It's disgusting. I hate yeah. to, I hate to see that it happens, yeah, but yeah. it is interesting in the machinations. Right. I wonder if they're going to be because like the um, it, some of this stuff with the secretary general reminds me a lot of like uh, that Carsetti characters arc in the wire where like, you know, it's like, oh, here's a politician who's going to clean things up 
And I do believe he had the best intentions, but like he's so obsessed with accumulation and, and consolidation of power that he never actually, you know, that becomes the more important end to itself. Rather, because like you know, it's like a lot of these people. It's like, why are you trying to accumulate power? Because right. eventually, it seems like the the reason you accumulate power is to eventually spend it on something mm-hmm. that will better mankind. And if yeah. you're not, then what the fuck are you doing? You're you're Aaron, right? Yeah, it feels like I feel like that. There's just a guy who's losing his way because being in charge and and being in control is more important than than doing yeah. things and and protecting people and and uh, doing the quote unquote right thing. And I don't know that he would ever realize that he's reached the end game of that. Yeah, even if he had, right? Yeah, he'd, he'd still d- be reaching for more power. Yeah, more there's, personal. There's something power. broken in him. Yeah, um, that's not maybe broken so much in Avasarala. I agree. Because I, I agree. Mean, yeah, yeah. Like, there's definitely like you, there's definitely like sons of bitches in politics, but there's yeah. like you know there's still rules and in, in everything, including war. And I guess the difference is like some people follow the rules and some people don't. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, we see May meeting Mao for the first time formally, uh, and she's quickly collected by an orderly because she's just wandering the halls, uh, and Mao follows her, and he's clearly charmed by her. Uh, and it really hits him hard when she's excitedly talking about her new friends' abil- or her friends' new abilities and how she's excited to show her his dad when she, when she sees him. Um, he also we we he he pronounces his name for the first time and he says he's <laughs> he's Jean Pierre Jules Jean Pierre Jules Pierre. He said he said he said he no it was no, he distinctly. Jean Pierre. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Jean Pierre. Jean Pierre Mao. Yeah, he just instantly like like a beret and a cigarette <laughs> popped into his lips for like there's like it's, it's it's like a it's like a subliminal message. It's uh, a beret and cigarette popped and it was gone. But the important thing, other than the fact that we now know how to correctly pronounce his name, we've now joined up the duo of Mesco and. Maurisco? <laughs> what the hell? I'm trying to fit their two names into oh. Misco and Marisco. <laughs> uh, but this this is the I think this is the, the straw that breaks his camp. Well, I guess there's one more straw. This is one of the straws yeah. that's adding up that'll eventually break his back because this is literally an avatar for his daughter. Yeah. Who just died uh, uh, in spectacular fashion for fucking around the proto molecule? That's largely his fault, and now the same blood is like it's 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 fucking a Greek tragedy. Did, and he doesn't did, want any part of it. Did you feel like it was maybe overdone in this episode? Uh, it was borderline no, for me. Certainly not in the first time. And the second uh, time I'm looking, like, it's manipulative. Certainly. Um, by design. But shit, they set this, like, anytime, like, it'd be one thing if, like, just suddenly there's a young Asian girl that takes a shine to him and we'd never meet her before. And that's, like, that's... Well, I think it's but overdone. This shit was set up a season ago. Yeah, yeah. I just think it's overdone in that they actually show you a picture of Julie, uh, you, you know, overcome by the proto molecule. Uh, I, I guess I didn't need that to make this connection. I, I, yeah, you're right. In fact, I didn't even see that because I, I saw him looking at like oh. uh, pictures of like the proto molecule in its advanced stages and realizing that these are children that have been experimented on and yeah, like. So yeah, I guess if I did maybe, but it's like it's, but it's so it's a pretty edge case. It, yeah, it's it's such a minor point, right? That I can forgive it, right? Um, 
Because and, and probably a lot of people who, you know, haven't read three fucking books of this thing and wa- rewatched the series right. in its entirety forgot a, a little bit about this show. Right. And I would like, not like, blame like, them at all. Like, I, if I have this show and I'm struggling to get into ratings, I'm going to try to make this as easy for people to make these connections as possible. Like, hey, yeah. remember that girl who died and, and Miller and they smashed into Venus? This is her dad. <laughs> right. This is her dad. They were related. This is why this moment is happening. Yeah. So I don't I don't begrudge them that. It, it certainly didn't make me roll my fucking eyes or anything. Yeah. Uh, we then have uh, Alex deciding that they've been running silent for so long that he ought to make a system check of the sensors and comms because they might need him in battle sometime. And he gets a message from his wife. Mm, devastating. Gut punch. Yeah. But one that he essentially invited. Oh, absolutely. Right. Yeah. So, um, like, this is one of those things where it's a bad situation for the character, but it's earned and deserved, and he, I think, takes it appropriately. And his message to her was just as devastating. Oh, yeah. Like, the other side of that... It's brutal honesty. Yeah. Like, when you yeah. when you imply that, uh, that, that radical honesty, speaking of Silicon Valley, <laughs> right. I forget what he called it, the... Uh- yeah, I'll come up with it in but, a second. But yeah, like if you decide to roll with that, then you've got to be ready for everyone that you love and respect to give it back to you, and she does. Yeah, uh, tells him that she's glad that she's not that he's not dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's a pretty good person. But me and your daughter have moved on, and we don't need you. Yeah. So kablam! Uh, bet you're glad you checked those comm centers now, huh? Which leads really well into the scene with. Him and Naomi, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to. Uh, so the so Secretary General is in the war room. Uh, there's no fighting in a war room, gentlemen. And and also there's ladies in the war room this time. Oh, my God. Uh, he refuses to fire. They've identified the platform and they have identified with an 82% chance of total success. And he says, and I think rightfully fucking so. <laughs> A one in five chance of millions of people dying is not worth the eliminating Mars first strike capability. Yeah. Uh, because why? Like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like the fir- in, a, in a mutual shirt destruction scenario, the first person to fires is the crazy people. And I can only conclude that Terrans are the crazy okay. ones after this episode. Um, and this pisses off Aaron Wright, but whatever. <laughs> uh, Christian, back on board to Rasanati, gets Magboot training. Uh, Amos explains it's like walking around in pumps, which led to a really hilarious observation about, hey, I didn't always work in space. Yeah, I, I love that line. Uh, it's, it's so vague and also says so much at the same time. And the way he delivered is so matter of fact. And like, yeah. I just thought it was delightful. And it and it, it it holds a promise that I might see Amos wearing pumps in like season four. You could. And how yeah. hilarious would that be? <laughs> uh, and just how just how how just fucking awesome it would be. Um, so then we see Alex in the galley warming up some food. I think it's lasagna. I think it's space lasagna is what he's making. Okay, it doesn't have real cheese. I know that much. And he's listening to country music and he extends an olive branch to Naomi. Yeah, love this scene. I do. This is great. Alex is quickly becoming one of my favorite characters on the whole show. Um, and. And it's a good scene for both of these characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Alex is just coming off this message from his ex-wife, I guess, at this point. Uh, I don't know their, like, marital status. But she has essentially said, your old family is gone. Yeah. And Alex realizes, hey, I could lose my, my new family here. Mm-hmm. And so he goes to Naomi and he tries to extend, yeah, like you said, an olive branch. Um, and from Naomi's side, she's feeling very much 
like she doesn't belong here. Like, yeah, Amos like she's is not pissed wanted at her, here. Holden is pissed at her. Yeah. Alex is pissed at her. And Prax Holden has doesn't... said, "Leave if you fucking want to. Right. Just leave." Right. Uh, she, she probably assumes that Prax is pissed at her because she's the one rode hard against, like you know, essentially promoting the "fuck your daughter, we're going to Tycho" philosophy. Yeah. And uh, Alex is the only one to come to her to say, "Look, we can be pissed at you. We can be right. rightfully pissed at you. Right. And we can still be a family." And, and, and we don't need to break that. Up. Admire your commitment to your people. Yeah, and and, I, and that's what she's looking for. Just some, I think it's some like recognition that she's still a part of this group. Mm-hmm. And isn't I, I got the impression that he when he said I admire your commitment to the belt that he essentially is saying I wish I could be more committed. I I'm, I wish I was less selfish and more committed to my family. Absolutely, because you're the selfish thing for you to do would have been to go along with all of us. Yeah. But it was actually a brave and tough choice. I mean, again, don't agree with it. Yeah, uh, right. But, uh, yeah. But I you w- can respect it. I wish I tried to, because he's listening to country music, uh-huh. and I couldn't I, I couldn't recognize the tune, and I tried to, like, boost the signal with headphones to try to get a, 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 a something where I could hear, and it hears, like, is this fictional Mars country music? Because... God damn, do I want to hear about the guy <laughs> whose rover's broken down uh-huh. and his third his Earth's bubble gravity, sprung a leak. Uh, his, his long-legged uh, Martian dog has run away <laughs> and his wife got sucked out of the airlock and now he's drinking. Like, I want to fucking hear some Martian country music. Yeah. Some outlaw Martian country music is what I want to hear. And I, I, or I, whether they're going with this, like he's listening to classic Earth country. I don't know. Right. But if anyone could isolate that sound clip, I w- would love to fucking hear it. I, I really, really love the out of order sign on the coffee maker. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. pointless, so pointless, but so funny. Yeah, and I, I, I think I feel like Amos did that. Probably he seems yeah. like he's the one who does the ironic signage on, <laughs> on the ship. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's great. And the line, "The cheese ain't real, but the love that went into it." is mm-hmm. uh and then I, I in his naked delight at her accepting the olive branch where he's like yeah really okay oh well, you have this one i'll go get me it's, yeah it's great he, he's just such a genuine guy too yeah he wears his heart on his sleeve uh ava sarala dishes the holden about the pm hybrids uh the protomolecule hybrids and he's like hold my beer and shows her uh, uh-huh. in in ship video of their encounter with these proto molecule hybrids that she thinks that she's revealing a secret to. And, and Bobby cannot believe that they've defeated one of these things. Yeah, because in her like clipped New Zealand accent, she's like, "Yes, this took out the whole squad, you know, of me and my marine and power armor." And uh-huh. they're just casually like, "Yeah, we we killed it. <laughs> no power armor, we killed it." She and yep. she's impressed. Like this is the things that's gonna the weld this crew together. I hope. Mm-hmm. Um, and Amos's opinion because she asks, "Well, what? Okay, you go to IO, you get the daughter. What happens when you find the data banks and the protomolecule samples and the scientist?" And Amos is like, "We shoot the scientist and we nuke the uh-huh. facility from orbit. Like, yeah. w- w- what? What's that?" Uh, then Avastral expresses concern <laughs> that they would give the protomolecule to the belt. Whoops. Uh, which leads to a lot of harsh words between Christian and Naomi. One of the most vicious burns yeah. that I heard uh, when she says, I, I'd i say cry me a river if I thought you could appreciate what one was. Yeah, right. Like, I, vicious. Yeah. Absolutely vicious I, from I Abrasara. That that's, that's her go-to. It is her go-to. She's yeah. very, she is very dismissive of belters. 
And like, just very fucking earth prejudice. Like she said that a bunch of different times. Like the fact that, uh, I can't remember all the different times she said it, but she's, she's made a lot of digs at people who have never been to earth and can't Mm -hmm. appreciate what a real planet is like. (laughs) Right. Um, and, but then she says that the uh, and then she tries the bullshit of like I know you did the OPA doesn't speak for all of you and Naomi's like bitch OPA is the only one that speaks for any of us hmm. so like yeah. yeah I might not agree with their methods but I don't see your ass out here hmm. promising to make the carbon scrubbers work and lowering the price of water which is the classic why yeah. you know like god damn it like uh one of the one of the pains of getting old is seeing everywhere seeing just all the world's bullshit laid naked <laughs> right that like oh you know why these people are insane how could they support a terrorist regime well i don't know look at how they're living look at the reality of their life what are you doing to help them what are right. these other people doing to help them you know pretty fucking easy to understand how people work it's typically desperation and that's the thing, Christian. She, I like her, but she's still a politician. She's still provincial as hell, and she really has a hard time empathizing with people. That she's really, and that's the thing. I think she's got a good sense of empathy. She just doesn't take the time to think about these people and their plights. Yeah, it's always her and Earth and what they can do for Earth and how ungrateful they are for the shit that Earth does do for them and all that. Um, anyway, now here's the thing. I got a question. And I'm flummoxed because I can't ask the internet. I couldn't see anyone else. It's just you and I in this room, <laughs> oh, locked shit. in this room. I have no answers for you, man. At what point um, she says that uh, when when they find out that the belt, when Naomi says the belt has the right to the protomolecule, she says, well, in that case, we should nuke IO. And yeah, that I- proves that we want the same things. I, I don't quite understand that turn either. We so maybe what she's saying is okay. You've got the proto molecule. I'm revealing that Earth. I think what's happening is she's saying I'm revealing Earth and Mars. We do not have it. So to, sh- to impress upon you my good intentions, I want you to nuke IO because I do want to contain the proto molecule. Hmm. Like, and that's the I, I think. But it's I that's just my thought. They don't really spell it out. Yeah, they don't. Uh, and I was very confused by that too. Right. So, but that's that's what I think is happening. She's saying like, you know, guess what? You've got now you've got the trump card, and I don't want it to to, to check you. Mm-hmm. So, which is fine. Like, I don't know that Earth need, and I don't need that Earth and Mars need the proto molecule to keep the belt in check because they just have overwhelming like you know the the belt. It, it's there. They they already have a kind of a mutualist or destruction because both sides could destroy each other if they wanted to. Yeah, I guess the the thing that I would have understood there is if. No one had the proto molecule. It was only on IO, and she mm-hmm. says, "Well, we need to nuke it." That right. I would get, but yeah, I don't quite understand this. Right. Uh, so Aaron Wright uh, scolds the SG, the Secretary General, back at his private quarters, saying, "Because he, he he really knows the point to pick on at the Secretary General, because he's consumed with with leaving a monument to himself in history." Mm-hmm. And he says, "That moment that you just shit the bed on was their moment, not this speech, because if you're the man." who can unite humanity in the face of first contact, you will be, like, that's that's going to be the first sentence on your Wikipedia page, man. He's you not wrong. You don't, yeah, you're right. You don't need a fancy speech if you fucking accomplish something that big. Yeah. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting and a great way to get at the Secretary General, which is what he's trying to do. Uh, anything else you want to say or should we move on? Let's move. Uh, May's friend showing off doing handstands uh, in the lab when he starts convulsing and from an inflated head, I think. 
because uh, he just thinks that you know acrobatics is a be all end all of social currency. Mm, uh, it kind of is when you're a kid. You're right. You're right. Being able to do cool things no one else can do that's yeah. that's it's a it's a party trick you can always pull out. Uh, and kids are easily entertained. Uh, so he starts convulsing, and the proto molecule starts taking over his face and shit. And he is carted away. And Mao, who's watching all this from view screen, is not impressed because mm-hmm. I think. Don't you think that he's standing on the edge of the knife? Like, if this thing showed promise to control the proto-molecule, he might fit it within his moral framework to, so- to save the solar system. But I, when I agree. yet yeah. another failure happens, he's like, fuck and, this And here, shit. here's why. I think that plays into why Strickland is not done, because I think Strickland knows that if he can develop this a little further and prove that some success here, that he might turn Mal back, ah. back to the project. So I think Strickland is going to continue on. Um, aboard the Agatha King, uh, Admiral Souther does does a little bit of uh, sub some subterfuge. He asks his man I to love this, yeah, to fake an electrical fire or not to fake it, but yeah. to just kind of like stretch it out long enough for him to make it to the med bay and interrogate Kotiar in private. And what I really love about the show is Admiral Wynn shows up and he and me, he, he, he he takes him five seconds to figure out the fuck is going on. Yeah. Which felt it gives it, it gives the thing real stakes. You know he's not going to have much time. Yeah. Um, and Souther acts accordingly. He busts in the door and says, "Look, I know Avasarala is a quote unquote ruthless son of a bitch, mm-hmm. but she's also a patriot to never betray Earth. So fucking talk fast." And they do. Yeah. Um, and uh, Souther's able to escape just as Wynn finds Kotiar just kind of chilling. Um, Th- this is great because it combines kind of like the really solid background of right. of the character work with this sort of like heist moment which right. I, I really appreciated because there's there's some subtle stuff happening here too like most of it is plain like most of it like he comes to the guy he hints hey you should shut down the power on 11 i'm gonna go talk to this guy uh the the engineer whoever this guy is does it yeah and then he goes down there and then it's my impression that the engineer turns the power back on to signal souther that hey yeah, the yeah, jig yeah. is up the get jig, out yeah, of right, there right right and and I just thought it was really cool because they don't, like, explicitly say that. Mm-hmm. But that's my reading of it. Yeah. And then the character work, like, knowing Souther's relationship with Avrasarla and and how they've interacted in the past. And, yes, he hates he hates who she is as uh-huh. a person a uh-huh. lot of the time. But he also knows she's got some good interests here. So you rewatched the whole series in preparation for this, right? Not the whole thing, but a good chunk of it, yeah. Uh, have we met Admiral Souther before? Yes. When? Um, he was – so he was part of the Security Council – uh, early uh, on, and he he refused to launch a like a okay. a retaliatory attack on a perceived th- attack from Mars right. with the station, right, right, and right. then he got busted down. Uh, apparently, to this kind of he's a fleet admiral now. No, yeah. no, he's not the fleet admiral. He, he's not. He's well, that's the, what Win is. He's the admiral of the Ju- the, the Jupiter, Jupiter fleet. fleet. Yeah, so still pretty power, but yeah, not on the Security Council anymore. Right. Interesting. Okay, because like when Kotiar said you're supposedly a man of honor, I'm like. He's talking like I should know this guy, and I don't remember. It's a it's season one stuff. I yeah, think. okay, yeah. okay. Because I rewatched half of season, I, the last five episodes of season two, yeah. uh, to get caught up on that. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was great. I, I and and this is a cool plan, and no one looks stupid in doing it. Right. And then at the end, so so um, <laughs> he asks Souther what's he's going to do about, it, which is a question that kind of hangs on the episode, and. Uh, Win can't prove that Souther did anything, but he does act on his suspicions and relieves him of command of the Agatha King. Yeah. So, 
I mean, I can't ask you because you probably already know, but it seems like they're hinting that Souther might fucking mutiny, might lead his crew to like in prison. Uh, but he has to have something. He has to have something more to go on, right? He can't just go on the spooks, like murderous spooks, wild-eyed accusations, right? Right. He also mentions that uh, um, Christian has in her possession proof of uh, uh, Aaron Wright's being a bastard and working with Mal. Oh, yeah. I will say some of this is mildly interesting, and some of this is stuff that doesn't play out this way in the books. Uh, um, so as far as I remember, like none of this Souther wind stuff goes down at all, like huh. like it's going down here. All right. Well, cool. Um, but yeah, I guess like man, that'd be a huge a huge thing. Uh, you, you could uh, conceivably spark a civil war on Earth, which yeah would be interesting. Um, so Secretary General's back for round two of knocking out Mars Planet Busters. Now they have a hundred percent confidence of the firing solution. And oh, do they? Did they say that? I think that's right. Okay. I just thought he had changed his mind after the talk. Oh, with for Aaron Christ's Wright. sake! Oh, I, I thought on the eighty-two percent being good enough. Hmm. Okay. Uh, damn, then he's even more fickle and a bigger jackass than I thought. That's how I read him. Yeah. Uh, so it's a very tense scene, which is surprisingly long, where they just literally fire these rail guns, which are just badass, the visualization, these orbital rail guns warming up and, and blasting. Yeah. And you hear the confirmation of rail guns, one, two, three, four, fire flawlessly, but number five is delayed maybe 30 seconds, and everyone mm-hmm. is just sweating fucking bullets because... Mars is going to know they're being attacked, and uh, they're going to potentially be able to launch the full volley, which I guess... Yeah, I, each one of those has 20 there, Oh, was it 20 MIRVs? Yeah. And, and, well, and each one of those seemed like they had, like, 30 different warheads, yeah, which yeah. is really cool how this all works out. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I thought the actual visualization is really awesome. These, like, space flashé rounds that are hurling towards these, and they disintegrate yeah. and just... Like a shotgun shell, shred these installations. Yep. Um, and all the targets are destroyed, but the final missile battery gets a single nuke off, which comes careening towards Earth, and is just just really beautiful shot of that the 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 you know the Epstein drive and that missile with a like a distant blue dot that you can just ba- barely tell is the Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and the planetary defenses, which is another fucking cool scene, are just firing off, and they get all of the MIRVs except for one that hits a city in South America and kills two million people. Uh, Earnwright asks for the reason why their fifth railgun didn't fire, <laughs> and they explained it was a malfunction caused from warming up the system and then standing down previously. And you hear in the background, whomp, whomp, <laughs> as the camera focuses on the SG's face. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> But they did. They, they, so the Watchtower system confirms that there's no other missiles being launched, and they believe that they've they've eliminated Mars' first strike of capability. Yeah. Uh, Which I'm going to – I believe that the show is playing us straight on that. I don't think there's going to be, like, a sixth platform that they missed. If or there is, like why that. wouldn't – I mean, Mars – Why wouldn't they just like, fire it off right now? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's how this shit works. Yeah. I, and I would also trust, like, just the show in general not to – fuck with us like right. that so now like they i don't do that a lot like mars is gonna have to come to the table because yeah. the next step is if they keep continuing continuing to eliminate earth's fleet mm-hmm. is earth just starts bombing mars and they can't do shit about it right uh, yeah i'm nervous since it's not even my timeline uh Mao orders Strickland to shut down the experiment because they're just like it's one thing to torture children with a purpose but if you're just torturing the children and pissing up a rope what the fuck are you doing yeah 
Um, and he tried. It's it's interesting because Mao, I actually like him better than the t- Secretary General, because Strickland tries uh-huh. the same great men. He just says, "No, this isn't yeah. for debate. Shut it down. You're I'm I'm you're not my boss. Go fuck yourself." I do think the parallels are intentional. Yes, or or I guess the juxtaposition, the differences. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 They're like the you know I I mean I'm not saying vote Mao for twenty three twenty four, but right. maybe vote Mao for twenty three twenty four. Uh, and like when he says shut it down, there's this there's this close up uh, of Strickland's face, and it's like I can almost feel the like video video game text. Strickland will remember that. that they're not done. <laughs> I don't think they're done. No, I don't think so either. Uh, Avasarala and Naomi. Uh, Avasarala tries the lasagna method of peace in the break room, uh, but Naomi shuts down her overtures hard and mm-hmm. says the only reason I'm still on the ship is to make sure you don't get the protomolecule for Earth. Yeah. And that uh that's pretty brutal. Even after the uh even after the the, the do you think that's the the end is true? No. Or is she just saying that because she's she's wanting to shine on I think that's some cold smack she's laying down. Okay. Because I'm like right after that question. Alex, like he made you love lasagna. Yeah. And the oh, that, that that that's that's at least that's at least a reason to stay, right? <laughs> for sure. Damn. Yeah, uh, especially if he can manage to find some real cheese. Yeah, and he didn't like the when an inner's lying. No, don't. I don't like trotting out the old jokes again. But see, so here's the thing: they're I not know, trotting it I out. I know they lampshade it. No, no, it's not just a lampshade. I think it's a cool detail that like 300 years in the future, Belters honestly believe they've come up with the most astute ab- ab- political humor about Earthers and Martians. Like, okay. I think that's the joke, not the fact. Although, I guess you're right. They could, they could just trot out the horriest cliche and say, "Well, you know what the the Belters just don't know." Like, you know, yeah. I, I mean, I I I just wish they would have made up a joke, like, uh-huh. and, and have Avrasarla finish it. Like, right? Put, give us an in-universe joke that wouldn't be three hundred fucking years old. Yeah, and older, four hundred years old. I don't know. I don't How know. far back does that joke go? Yeah, I mean, it's because, like, there is a lot of discussion on this week's uh, episode of Westworld. I've listened to a lot of critics, and there's, they were saying similar things about, like, you can't give your character shitty dialogue and then wink to the audience and say, we know it's shitty yeah. because this character is a shitty writer, and this also makes you get, like, that's not a great excuse for just doing subpar writing. It's okay once in a while. Like, if it happened once a season, maybe, but it yeah. happens twice in this episode, and I'm like, God, really? Yeah, yeah. But I just, I also, like, this is why I love Christian, because her confidence and her whole, like, like her, her you know, smile as she says, you're right, we're not going to be friends. I just fucking yeah. love this woman, man. I think she's the <laughs> coolest. So, there you go. Uh, Anna is aghast back on Earth mm. at the death toll, and she's watching it. It's, like, at 1.7 million and climbing uh, as they, they continued. I don't know how you even fucking determined that. Like you're as you're sorting through the atomic ash, yeah. <laughs> but but they are. I, I guess it's like as people re, don't report in, they they continue to to, to take it. I don't know. Um, but Ehrenreich comes in and says, you know, the only thing worse than this is the fact that it didn't need to happen. If only the president hadn't wavered, no, no one would be die. If only die. you hadn't stuck your nose in. But it's good that you're here because he'll uh-huh. need your support now more than ever. What Aaron an Wright, asshole! He knows exactly what he's fucking doing. What here. an asshole! Yeah. I wonder if Anna's going to wake up and see him as a snake that he is. I mean, I think she already did, but she does. But she doesn't play the same game he plays. That's true. Like she's she's really on this side of like justice and 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 God and like 
all the things that are good in her mind, right? Good people can triumph over shit weasels, right? I think so, yeah. I believe, I mean, that's that's like, if if, if that's not true, then I'm living my life wrong. Uh, I think it's difficult <laughs> because right. the shit weasels have the, the duplicitous arsenal <laughs> yeah. at, at, at their fingertips. But I think the only yeah. thing good's got for it is numbers. I think more people are good than shit weasel in, in this world, in the world of the Expanse. Um, and I hope I'm never proven wrong on that because <laughs> it will be the darkest timeline. Uh, and that's the episode, man. Yeah. Pretty good. Two million people died. This is a big... That's like, <laughs> fuck Game of Thrones. Talk about your ga- your body count. Yeah. Woo! There are barely even two million people Woo! in Game of Thrones. Right, right. To kill. So. Right. Like, you know, like 100,000 wildlings die and you sit up taking... No, this, this, this episode just killed two million people <laughs> yep. in 30 seconds. It's insane. Uh, all right. Here's the point of the episode that I guess we like. I I I I, I haven't seen any of it, but I've I've heard we have some some feedback that we can consider. Yeah, we've got several pieces this week. Awesome. Um, Expanse at baldmove.com is how you send in this these thoughts. Yeah, well, let's start off with Ben L. He says, um, as far as speculation for this season, it seems like the Rossi crew, uh, excuse me, the penis contorter crew, is going to need a pretty serious windfall and quick. From what we saw of the IO station this episode, it seems heavily manned and outfitted course the penis contorter crew doesn't know that but with their offensive and defensive armament as low as it is they're going to be deep in the shit if they head straight for io uh yeah i kind of agree not not sure what form aid will come in but maybe broadcasting avrasarla's message will rally some support from maybe mars or rendezvous with drummer on route to salvaging the navu hmm. curious to hear your thoughts i'm interested in how because there's so many different ways this could go and there's so many, you know, and the other thing that's kind of low key bothering me in the back of my mind is, well, like you said last episode, if you can fake a message, you got to presume that they have a way to authenticate it and know it's true. But mm-hmm. what my guess is who makes that determination and if the if the head of the UN is is rotten if if Earnright is able to capture the Secretary General and he never checks, it's like it's entirely possible that Earnright could pass this off as some fa- fabricated bullshit, and that's what the official story would be, and why it's important yeah, I mean, to could... elect leaders that you can trust to tell you the truth at all times. Man, it's going to be tough with his own damn face on there admitting everything, but I I, I believe that Earnright is a weasel, yeah, and weasels will find a way out. Uh, if given the opportunity. He's I mean, I done it before, he'll do it again. Why wouldn't Holden, say, stick to his guns and be like, look, you have a ship that is capable of communicating mm-hmm. wideband because we fixed it for you. If you want to do this, then fucking do it. Yeah. Make Best a run of luck. for it. We are and... going to IO. We're doing this. The, the other point about them being out of gas and bullets and everything is interesting because it's it's nice that they put limitations on the crew of the rossi because as cool as it would be for them to come in guns blazing everywhere the react the they are a support ship off a much larger ship that's been destroyed mm-hmm. and the last time they actually got fully refitted was what back in towards the end of season one it was yeah probably when they docked with johnson for the first time yeah. right right um so like that it, 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 they got to do both because, like, the Rossi's got to be able to be bristling when it, they need to, but put it, giving them pinches so they have to be a little bit more circumspect in their actions. Actions is entertaining too, and it, it's mm-hmm. it's. I mean, that's part of the gas that makes this plot go. Um, I don't know. So, so do you think the the listener here is suggesting that they pillage IO for what they need? Why, my uh, well, he he says 
he's worried that they're headed straight for Io because it's defended. Oh, um, so is it? N- I thought this is a secret I, laboratory. I that's really off tell. The, it's a decommissioned lab that's off the books. Like I, my right. my counter concern is Io might have fuel. I believe that you could probably refuel the ship, but you're yeah. not going to be able to rearm it. Yeah, weapons will be in short supply. Yeah, yeah, especially since I mean they. Do you think the Martians and Earthers use like the same type of ammo? Like if like if they found the canister of Earth ammo, would it just load into the PDCs? I can't imagine that that's true. Right. Who knows? Yeah. So sure. that's like by design too, right? Like the NATO and the Warsac forces use a different ammunition standard, precisely so. Mm-hmm. If you capture it, it's it's bad enough that you lose your bullets, but then if your enemy gains them, uh, Ben L also says now that Bobby's on the Rossi, he's just going to go ahead and start shipping Bobby and Amos, and his vote for the name is Babos. Babos. The shipping name, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's better than Amy. Babos. Yeah, yep. Babos. Yeah, I like it. That's what they should, should name their firstborn child, who <laughs> will be the, like, the, 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 the Khan. Was it Sin Nunian Khan is the name oh, of uh, yeah, yeah. Be the Khan of uh, the, the solar system. All right. It's a supreme physical and mental specimen. Uh, Gonna have some really big pecs. I never even thought about Bobby and Amos being romantically. They seem like they're more natural rivals. Yeah, who would Amos be involved with romantically? Like, I can't even... Is... Hmm. Does he have that bone in his body? We know, because, okay, because there's this one scene... Uh, where he's talking, like, uh, him and Naomi are talking about, like, the fact that him and Holden, or her and Holden, yeah, there's, there's your real ship, Holden and Amos. <laughs> uh, uh, I know you're shipping that. Holmos. That that she was saying, and he's like, oh, you, you know. Can't, I- you can't call a, a gay shipping care- pair Homos. You can't. Homos. You, what? you can't call hey, it homos. You got to make sure the hard L is in there, homos, oh, because okay. then it sounds There's like you're just kind of light slurring them. But yeah, 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 no, yeah. you can definitely do that. Um, All right. I, I think that, didn't they have a conversation where he's like, oh, well, yeah, I just kind of thought us as brother and sister. And then he's like, wait, was that on the table? Like, I think Amos. Oh, yeah. So, like, I think Amos likes the ladies. It's possible Amos likes the boys, too. Oh, I, I know for sure he likes the ladies. He's been to, like, these strip right, clubs, and we've right, seen right, him, right. like... That's true. Yeah, talk, talking about that kind of stuff. But you might be right. Maybe there's... I just don't see, a like, a romance. I don't know how he would ever be romantic with someone. He doesn't... I don't see that in Bobby, either. For, for sure, yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, I think she's a fighting and fucking type of person. Yeah. So you're going to have to be down with that in a relationship, probably. <laughs> I think Amos... And Amos so I guess it yeah. does make sense. I don't know why I haven't thought to, to... to Maybe it's because secretly in my heart of hearts, I'm in love with Amos. Yeah. And I just want to... I, I want to I wanna, a corner of that market. But, uh, yeah, good-looking people. They'd make, they'd make fine... They'd make, they'd make very attractive uh, space children. Gigantic space children. Very long-boned, gigantic space children. All right, TV says, hey, guys, little book knowledge by undocumented in The Expanse. We were questioning what this meant. They mean undocumented births. With what? with the population and limited availability of resources, there are strict birth restrictions. Uh, oh. See Holden's parents. As an undocumented birth, you were off the grid and out of the system and not eligible for basic. Basic in in the books is exactly what it sounds like, just enough to survive. No frills. All the homeless that Bobby wanders through in season two on Earth are undocumented. Interesting. Okay. All right. So, good to know. 
how much so how so that's it, who anna's clinic i have so many follow-up helping. questions is uh so what is the pop like like percentage of earth how many of it are undocumented because man there's just tons of them in new york which yeah. makes sense that's a big population center uh mm-hmm. and that yeah because i was like i was under the impression last year that maybe that is like the majority of humanity um <laughs> right but surely surely they're not the majority of humanity is not undocumented births i don't know um all right cool thanks for that all right, Raphael says, uh, hi, guys. I'm not hi sure. Hi, guys. Hi, guys. I'm not sure what you're expecting from actors doing high G scenes. Faces don't get deformed or need special effects in my experience. I once did a high G airplane ride with a camera that filmed me for 15 minutes without air blowing on your face. Uh, the face just gets very tense. Really? All facial muscle groups become very tense. Uh, Google a Red Bull race from a pilot perspective, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, so... I, I did that. I, I I thought I have seen people's face, like jowls sag and whatnot. Like if you're if you're a 20- I mean if you're a saggy person, I imagine like high G's would pull on the skin a little bit. That's, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's he's largely right. I went and I looked at some like high G stunt maneuvers uh-huh. from a pilot perspective, and uh-huh. there's no noticeable difference. So I was totally wrong. Interesting. On that. But again, were they sixty-five years old? Because I, 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 right. I, I like if you're watching a Top Gun twenty-three-year-old Tom Cruise, yeah, no, I don't think he's <laughs> right. gonna have much sag. But like a guy like me, I'm a little jowly. I, yeah, I, I, I'm, uh, there might be some. Uh, it's the difference between putting like a, an English bulldog in a cockpit at high G and like a collie, right? <laughs> sure, sure. An English bulldog is gonna have some serious shit happening to its face. That, that's fair because like I, I was thinking of like all the centrifuge things you've seen from like uh, like when they're testing NASA, but that's always they're just spinning a dude in a chamber full of air. So right. like you've got wind whipping and all that shit. So yeah, uh, that's totally totally valid. Uh, Kevin from LA says, as a physics major. Long-time sci-fi buff. There's no better show oh, than The man, Expanse. Oh, you man, you got a bad marriage of, of of avocation and hobby, my friend. Yeah, you'll never be a happy person. Yeah, it was like Phil Plate. <laughs> like, he's never seen a never seen a science fiction show that he wholly loves because they yeah. always fuck things up. Uh, Contact? Contact is pretty good. I'm sure it had to fuck things up, though. Hmm. Probably. Right. There's a lot of time... Or not time travel, but it's or maybe they fuck things up by the only people to like that warping. were nerds and scientists. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, he says there's no better show than The Expanse to showcase real space physics in action. I love that the producers have made an effort to explain the drama that real physics provides. Maybe with this show and the Martian movie in 2015, we'll see a new renaissance of shows that use real physics and where space itself is a primary antagonist. However, there's always a however when you're a sci-fi physics major. What was the what was that uh there was another movie that came out of George Clooney and Miss Congeniality. Gravity? Was that called was it Gravity? Yeah. Or does, does that Sandra was, Bullock. I mean, there was a lot of non scientific trappings of that, but like, mm-hmm. you know, like uh that's the movie that taught me that fire and space would be spherical. Oh yeah. Because there's no connection. Yeah. Uh, they got a lot. They got a lot of stuff that was really and just a lethality of shrapnel in space. Right. So there's yeah. I feel like we're entering an age where the truth of science fiction space travel is more is interesting than like the bullshit that we've been fed at, over the years. Yeah, and like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I mean, as our understanding of it grows and becomes more public, right? Um, in the public consciousness, that would happen. Uh, so he goes on, however, being a physics major, it's a time to debate what's inaccurate. Call this a fun conversation for the nerds. The scene with Amos and Prax and the flying tools could not happen in the manner shown. I think this was one of the coolest what? scenes of the entire show, but there's a real problem. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's about to shatter your illusions. Okay. The Rasenate has one main thruster that always goes in the same direction relative to the ship itself. Right. So the acceleration that Amos and the tools demonstrate should be primarily aimed at the floor of the room. Sure, there are maneuvering thrusters that will accelerate in different directions. These are shown as momentary when the ship itself is in the main view. Oh, it However, swings around, yeah. Amos undergoes prolonged acceleration in different directions, which would mean the maneuvering thrusters are firing for prolonged periods in the same direction. Also, the tools should spend more time sliding along the floor rather than flying through the air. That's true. This is actually, re- yeah, yeah, this because is totally gets, true. Because he gets swung north, south, east, and west, and, like, that's not consistent with the actual... Axis and of for for long show. periods of time, right? right? Like that would be spinning the ship. Like wildly he would be briefly jerked violently to one side, yes. and then he would be pushed back to the floor, right? Like as soon as the they get back on the gas, yeah. yeah. Fuck, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I didn't either. And he says it's one of the coolest scenes. I totally agree, but yeah, it's not totally accurate. I mean, they could have. I guess they could have still. I mean, I get would have been as cool if he just like you know gets thrown like he's almost there and he gets thrown back against the hull and then pinned to the floor and has to do it all. Right. Probably not. The probably tool not. thing wouldn't the have happened thing. anything like it did. I mean, it might. It still would have been no joke to be in that bay full of unsecured stuff when the thing is like swinging through a ninety degree arc in one second. That's uh-huh. a lot of acceleration. That's true. But yeah. All right, Doctor Nick says one thing. That's, that's why we- I never got my physics degree. I yeah, still want to be able to enjoy here. the expanse fully. Dr. Nick, one thing that's making my own personal BS detector go off is how Aaron Wright can casually be talking to Jules Pierre Mao on IO. Directly talking oh, to Oh, wait, Mao. wait. I think you mean. <laughs> I definitely meant that. Directly talking to Mao is incredibly dangerous given the story Aaron Wright's been peddling. Their conspiracy would have been a lot more sophisticated than what they've shown us. The UN seems like a hive of political hard asses. It's. it's produced Aaron Wright and Christian, after all. Uh, I can't believe the only people on, not on board with what Aaron Wright and Secretary General are doing are these protesters we see outside. They've got to, there have got to be people maneuvering all around Aaron Wright, listening in, spying, etc. There would need to be a firewall between Aaron Wright and Mao rather than FaceTiming across the solar system. I think they, I mean, they kind of deal with that by the difference between tight beam and narrow and, and wide, right. wide beam, right? Because a, nar- uh, uh, a needle... Not a needle cast. That's a that's an altered carbon. That's an altered thing, carbon yeah. thing. A tight beam is tight like beam. they essentially are like aiming a laser or something similar at a a point in space, mm-hmm. so that you'd have to be in literally a man in the middle attack. You'd have to you'd have to blunder into the path of the beam or beyond it, perhaps. Yeah. But I mean, his point's well taken. If there's a bug in his office, he's fucked. But I also, I mean, let's let's let's. let's Am I making excuses for the show, or is this realistic? Because I'm thinking in the 23rd century, how often would a secretary general, assistant secretary general's office be swept for listening devices? I mean, that's a fucking concern now. Like, yeah, that was uh, a like, concern like, in the 60s. President of the United States goes to a foreign country. They they bring this crazy-ass mylar tent thing that yeah. they put inside of the hotel or wherever he's staying because they just assume – Every foreign country, even ones allied with us, will try to listen in his conversations. Right. So he's got this shielded tent he can go to and have absolutely secure communication, or that's that's what they they believe. I imagine, you know, yeah, there, there's there's got to be something similar to that, right? I would assume so. Yeah. When he's in his office, you just have to assume that there's no one able to listen in. Now, if they do, if they fucking blow that up in a later season, I'll be mad. But yeah. Um, but you're right. Like you're right. In in reality, there would be like three different layers of isolation to the communication. Mm-hmm. But that would be in, more interesting from a, a spy craft. But 
it's it'd be less immediate to watch. <laughs> and true. also, how would you ever like instantly get someone on the horn? Yeah, I don't think you would. If you got to call your assistant, who calls a shadowy fixer, who calls Mal's shadowy fixer, who call like it, it'd be a very roundabout way. I'm sure you could do it. All right, Stephen from Florida says, "Can we please, for the love of God, talk about bullets in space?" He's really a fan of this. Um, bullets in space. <laughs> there's there's something unbelievably badass about the rail guns and the use of modern weapons mixed with futuristic uh, weapons is a great idea. He says, nerd's perspective on projectiles in space, what about all the rounds of ammo that miss their target? Are they just hurtling through space? Considering the number of bullets being fired and the ever-changing directions in which they move, does that mean that the surrounding areas of these flights would be just as dangerous as the fights themselves? Uh, what about stray bullets hitting a ship that is far away? I mean, these things won't stop moving until they hit something. How come never, no one ever talks about this? Yeah, it's like Mass Effect. There's that whole... Sire Isaac Newton's the baddest son of a bitch in the in the system because once you fire a mass driver, it's gonna it's gonna keep going until it hits something. Um, yeah, it's a good point. Like planetary, I don't think like I I I can't I, imagine that any of these things would like if they accidentally hit Earth, they just burn up in the atmosphere, right? Yeah, I think so. And also, space is a big place. Right? It is a big place. And the further out in radius you get from the point of launch the less likely it is to hit you. So right. really you'd have to be pretty well in the vicinity of the fight yeah. to even worry about that kind of thing. Right. And and as the radius, you got further out from the radius, like the chances of it hitting you becomes even more astronomical. Exactly. Yeah. yeah but it is like, it does sound like a Ray Bradbury short story. Like the fact uh-huh. that there's a planet that's just minding its own business and it gets hit a billion years after the war's over by like some kind of 500 kilogram uranium slug. It just de- devastates right. their planet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, huh? It, I, so it's one of those things where like, has it ever happened? And I, sometimes when you say in the history, like does things ever happen, it's like, my answer is like, well, the number's probably not zero. Yeah. But still space is really fucking big. It is. It's like, you know how like the asteroid belt in star Wars, the, the, like our asteroid belt, like the distance between yeah. minor minor asteroids is vast. Mm-hmm. Is vast. Like you could drive right through the asteroid belt, and you have much better chances of winning the lottery than hitting something. You probably never even see an asteroid. <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. But vi- I also visually. I wonder if I bet that there's a really sophisticated like IFF type sensors that control these pdcs because in a big hairball space battle like you saw raging over ganymede mm-hmm. that friendly fire would be deadly and there's got to be some be, kind yeah. of computer control that that like pauses the fire if something goes is, is heading into its line of fire that shouldn't be what if what if you've got a ship behind one of a friendly ship behind an enemy ship would you pause the cannon because like or would you continue to fire at the enemy ship uh it depends on how bad you want an enemy ship to be, go down <laughs> i guess yeah and have been like, what's the rules of engagement? That's what I'm saying. Like, it does feel like, uh, are there gunners? Because, like, I guess I, it doesn't it, seem like it. No, the, P, the especially with the PDCs, it I seems think, like those are automated. Like, yeah. you can select targets and things, but it's like it's not someone individually panning and leading targets and stuff. There's no way the human reaction times just aren't compatible with that. Yeah. So, uh, I think they could. That's that's probably something they could they could say, and I would believe it. Mm. Or there's some kind of sophisticated if they want to burn a couple seconds of dialogue because that's the thing I can't get enough of the technical details of the world yeah uh, but from a sh- if I'm a showrunner I'd be as stingy with those as possible because everything I say is a handcuff to my future for sure 
uh, and I, then I got to worry about the fans coming back. And yeah, in episode 303, you established that the PDCs are. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I desperately want it, but I understand why the showrunners are probably going to like only put stuff out when it's when it's important to the plot. That's why I'm kind of surprised they did the Epstein Drive flashback. Yeah, yeah, because there's a lot of technical stuff in there. Right. It's like it's like it's like uh they're just I don't know why they did that. I'm glad they did it. Uh it doesn't necessarily like I remember watching an episode and thinking, I don't know if this all makes sense. But whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh so that's it. That's all we're going to consider for, for feedback this week. Uh if you want to send in feedback for consideration next week, you can do so at expanseatbaldmove.com. I check those emails and I read ones that aren't usually pertinent to like a specific episode because we're kind of an episode ahead of everybody. Right. So stuff like, you know, talking about the bullets in space and stuff like that will typically get read. I think also like if we have, if I feel like we have time, broad discussions of characters and our motivations, like the stuff that's hard to talk about is like, you know, if you want to make a comment about, you know, Kratoa or Tatoa, I can't remember the maze name. Kratoa? Um, Krakatoa uh-huh. is named after the mighty volcano. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if you want to say something about him in particular, like there will probably be two episodes beyond that. So it's like, yeah, could be disproven by other events. It's it's so yeah, it's it's more we it, it's 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 tough. That's what uh, that's what sucks about having the screeners is that we're we're our time dilation from everybody else is off. But uh, I I thought this this was great feedback. Cool. Especially uh, if you're a, if you're if you got a physics degree and you want right. to like tear or you're apart a jet the, fighter pilot or jet like, fighter like I that I love that shit that's 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 good stuff yeah um and keep it coming all right that's it yeah so if you'd like to follow along with everything we do baldmove.com you can also discuss each episode with your fellow fans on our forums forums.baldmove.com uh, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything at baldmove or slash baldmove. And again, expanse at baldmove.com for feedback. Uh, we will see you next Wednesday for yet another, I'm assuming, really bang up episode. Again, I can Hope continue so. to not yeah. get previews for the, the next, what's coming on next, but oh. I bet it's going to be good. Uh, we'll see you then.